the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Craig Needles. Another episode of the London Free Press Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once more as we talk about the biggest and most important stories impacting London and the surrounding region, which of course you can always find in the London Free Press. And to do that with us today, we are joined by excellent London Free Press reporter Megan Stacy. Megan, hello. Thank you for this. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me and calling me excellent. Yes, well, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's uh, you, you should wear the moniker proudly because it's uh, absolutely true. Uh, speaking of, of, of excellent, and look, this is a sad story, but I thought you did a, a, a fantastic job telling it. It's in the London Free Press this week, and the headline is Temporary Shelter Helps Homeless Man Find Trust, Care, and Community. Tell us about Dan Turner. Yeah, it was really a privilege to get to talk to Dan uh, this week, Craig. Um, we talked to Dan and another fellow, Aaron, uh, and they both shared, you know, what it was like moving into the pop-up shelter, uh, the temporary overnight shelter on Elizabeth Street. Both of them had been living for an extended period in the Wellington Valley uh, in tents. You know, that's uh, green space at the end of Maitland Street that that we've obviously written about before. And it was really interesting to hear uh, their their stories and hear from both of them about uh, what they found in the shelter, obviously still some challenges, um, but also the benefits and, and the opportunity there. So, you know, one thing that really st- uh, stuck with me and struck me about Dan's story is he kind of uh, described to us, you know, what he had found beneficial and, and what he had um, liked, or I guess, probably more accurate to say been able to put up with when he was living in the Wellington Valley and how that compared to the shelter. So, you know, we asked about the warmth, right? Uh, This is a warm place to sleep. You know, how how are you finding it? And he said to me, well, you know, I slept in a a sleeping bag that was suited for temps up to minus 30 when I was in the valley. So I I was fine. It's about the same. And to hear somebody say, you know, it's about the same when you're, you're in a heated room for the first time in months, that, that, I mean, that's what we're dealing with, right? So it it was really interesting. Um, But Dan talked about, you know, his life rules and how he's gone through life. Uh, His number one rule, he said, is don't don't trust anybody. And you kind of see the the toll that living uh, outside, uh, living without any proper shelter, the toll that that takes on you. And uh, it was in the story as well, Craig, but what really, um, I think one of the most poignant things that Dan said was that he wished people took more time to understand uh, homeless people, that he wishes that Londoners took more time to get to know them, learn learn people's names, use their names, and, you know, treat people who don't have homes like the Londoners that they are, uh, rather than this us versus them uh, idea. And he talked about people gawking, you know, how you get used to people judging yeah, he specifically recalled somebody driving by in a Jaguar, you know, and kind of uh, gawking at, at homeless people who were living outside and just the disconnect that you feel when you're on the other side of it. He he called it the London homeless safari, you know, a little joke that some of he and his, his friends would share um, because that's what it felt like, right? As if people mm-hmm. were coming to gawk at, at animals on a safari. Uh and I just think it's it's something we should all keep in mind, you know, that Londoners are feeling like they're animals uh, on a safari adventure, the, the way that they're treated. I mean, you can't 
you can't get much more clear than that, eh, Craig? That's it's, that's it's, heartbreaking. It's appalling. It's 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 heartbreaking. It's uh, it's terrible. Now, you obviously you mentioned in the piece here that there is this temporary shelter. Give us a little background on that and how this came to be. And you, you mentioned that uh, uh, there is uh, there's some positivity amongst the the homeless community here. But tell us a little bit more about the shelter. Yeah, absolutely. And so the city hall, uh, the city's winter plan, it's a a winter uh, temporary solutions, I suppose, um, or or answers to deal with uh, homelessness. It's meant to be temporary. So Elizabeth Street and now also at the corner of York and Colburn Streets, these are the two, I call them pop-up shelters because they are not meant to be there forever. So temporary uh, until the end of April uh, about, and you know, what happens after is is still to be determined, but uh, they are built using construction trailers, uh, which is, is pretty interesting to see what they've got going on there. So there's a common space with a number of, of trailers, you know, opened up. So you've got essentially a big heated room. uh, And then there's room for about 30 people um, to be living at each of these two pop up shelters. And so more construction trailers uh, were connected and then sort of a a quick uh, and easy wall uh, was constructed. Many walls were constructed so that there are sort of little private rooms um, in these trailers. So everybody has, you know, a, a warm room with a bed. You can lock your door, um, a place to to sleep. And uh, it, it's a really interesting little model. I, I think I've written the word unprecedented in some of my stories because mm-hmm. it is. We've never seen anything like that in London, right? And something else that's really interesting, Craig, and um, might not, uh, everybody might not agree with this, but one thing that I found fascinating is that there's a real model uh, sort of, an opposite model that you might expect to find at an emergency shelter where they've really made a point to ask everybody coming in, you know, what is it that you need? How do you want to see this space run? It's a very, you know, rather than kind of the top down, here are the rules you're agreeing to by sleeping here tonight. It's very much of uh, how do you want to see things run and what would make you feel comfortable? And uh, that's, is really interesting. I don't know if it's a model that we've seen before. And so there's a coalition of um, outreach workers and I think a couple people, you know, coming out of retirement uh, to help operate these these two pop-up shelters and some day space as well. So that's the WISH coalition that we've written about, uh, stands for the Winter Interim Solution to Homelessness, run by uh, a number of different agencies and individuals uh, that are kind of, you know, providing the uh, the person power to to keep these things running um and as i say temporary so you know this is what we've got until the end of april and i think that's the big question mark is what happens after that and aaron yesterday told us you know that he hopes a that they stay up they should be year round he hopes they expand to more locations and he really talked about this you know as a model like you know, other cities, other areas, and, and we have seen a, a similar approach in, in other communities as well. But he really talked about, you know, the opportunity there to use this model, expand it, um, and really make some some progress. He, he talks about, you know, this kind of being uh, an answer to help people uh, make more changes in their lives as well. 
Yeah, and I've, I've talked about that with uh, a, a lot of experts over the years, which is it's not just a matter of, okay, we're going to find you a warm place to sleep and you know dust off our hands, problem solved here. It's a matter of, okay, how do we help uh, these folks who, who want help to improve their lives and, and get back on their feet and have a regular space that's their space so they're not depending on these shelters. So this is kind of step one in that, right? Is that how the people who have put this together envision it? I think that's fair to say, uh, Craig, for sure. Certainly talking to, you know, city officials um, and uh, some outreach workers, I, th- I think that's that's what I've heard. You know, we hear a lot and, and I don't think people maybe appreciate as much as they should. It's kind of that uh, important survival element, right? When you're living outdoors, you're living in a tent down by the valley, like your focus every day is, is surviving um, in large part and, and not to speak for those folks. But what we heard yesterday is that there's a bit of a sense that you can get some other things in your life sorted out. So for instance, there was a clinic uh, last week to help people get ID. You know, Dan told us, hey, I've got mine, but a lot of people are just, you know, they're, they're going on memory for a social insurance number, right? Or if your wallet's been stolen and you no longer have any way to identify yourself, you're running into a lot of barriers, right? All of us know what a problem it is uh, to go about life without identification. And so um, that's one example. Uh, Another example, in fact, for both of the men that we spoke with are health concerns. They're actually both awaiting surgery. And, you know, that was something that, um, that really hit my heart, Craig, you know, Mm. listening to Dan talk about uh, a fairly, uh, no surgery is ever simple, but you know what I mean? A a relatively minor surgery for a hernia. He's been waiting and waiting and, Without the shelter, he would be contemplating, you know, trying to recover from that surgery for six to eight weeks in a tent, in a floodplain, you know, trying to keep himself safe um, and heal from a surgery, uh, you know, with with not the support that you need to heal from a surgery. And so he talked about, you know, this is kind of where he's at for now is awaiting the surgery he really wants to get that done so he can put some other pieces back together but the this pop-up shelter elizabeth street will give him a place to recover um you know a bed and and people around who are checking in on him to make sure that uh that he's okay and that he you know can medically do what needs to be done and uh and start to recover from that so uh just a couple of examples you know to show as you say um what are people dealing with and and what are the next steps? And uh, I'm hearing too, that a couple of people have actually um, been, you know, either on the way or, or uh, close to getting other housing arrangements, right? So uh, some people might be in the early stages, just getting their paperwork in say to get on the public housing wait list, but other people may be closer, uh, you know, if they have some income coming in through social assistance and are able to, work with a rent subs, uh, subsidy, rent allowance to stack on top of that, um, you know, the, this may be a, a transitional phase that could help them get housed. So to answer your original question, I think that's definitely the goal. And uh, just what remains to be seen is how many people can can follow that path and, and how that works out over the winter. So it'll yeah. be, uh, be good to see. I think that would be the goal. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is the winter that's, that's remaining here. We're only, uh, sort of in the, the, the back third of January here. We've still got February, March and some of April is going to be, uh, pretty cold weather for, uh, for sleeping rough as well. So they, uh, have to be of the, uh, of the, of the mindset here that this is going to be something that's, that's needed for a little while. And maybe even when the weather does get a little bit nicer. 
Yeah, you know, that's the a really interesting question, Craig. And I, I think you're making a good point too, you know, even in terms of how this is working, uh, both from an operational standpoint and for the people involved, how is it working for them? Uh, it, it is relatively early days, mm. right? So I think everyone can agree it's better than than sleeping outside, um, or, or at least that the option is there for people who don't want to be sleeping outside in the middle of January. Absolutely. Uh, but that is kind of a big question mark, right, is what happens after. So when city officials pitch this to politicians, and uh, we've spoken before, but you've got to keep in mind things came together pretty rapidly, right? It was uh, proposed at the end of November, and the first shelter was up uh, about a day two days before Christmas. So uh, this is happening pretty quickly. Uh, and city staff said, you know, very bluntly, as soon as we get these shelters up, the next question will be transitioning afterwards, right? What happens in April? So that remains the big question mark, right? Can they stay up? Can they operate? Is there, you know, the funding is a big piece and, and uh, staffing. I think those would be uh, two barriers, um, say, to keeping something like this running year round, not to say you, you couldn't overcome them, but we're talking about a more than $2 million plan right now. So that's a lot of uh, provincial and federal funding that's come to the city specifically for uh, COVID relief and, you know, dealing with vulnerable populations amid COVID. Um, so continuing this, uh, you know, year round, um, if, if that's what everyone would like to see in London, you know, there is still that question of how are you going to fund that? Yeah. And that's uh, a question we're going to have to answer a different time because we are uh, right up against the clock here on this uh, edition of the podcast. Uh, Megan, anything else you want to add real quickly before we uh, wrap up our chat here? Just that it was really inspiring to talk to these two gentlemen, Craig, and uh, hard to do justice in, you know, one article or one podcast, but we're talking about really inspiring, really resilient uh, individuals and I think the rest of London has a lot to learn from people who have gone through a lot of challenges in their life and still remain you know hopeful still remain um, strong and, and resilient and, and able to share some lessons with us so uh, I just wanted to add that I'm certainly taking some lessons away from what uh, Dan and Aaron said to me and, and I think there's uh, some learning that we could all do uh, based on what they've said. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. Megan, uh, again, it's a, it's a fantastic piece and I uh, suggest you check it out if you haven't seen it yet. Temporary Shelter Helps Homeless Man Find Trust, Care, Community. That's by Megan Stacy. You can find it at lfpress.com. Megan, thank you very much for doing the podcast with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Craig. Great to chat. That's uh, London Free Press reporter Megan Stacy here on the London Free Press podcast, which you can find on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can find us on YouTube and on lfpress.com as well. Please like, please subscribe, please leave us some positive reviews. We're getting a lot of those, and uh, we hope that can continue. That's all the time we've got for this edition of the podcast. We'll be back with two more shows next week. Have a great rest of your day and weekend. We'll talk to you next week here on the London Free Press Podcast.